0: Welcome, this is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. No mailbag. There
1: we go. Gates are open. Bleachers are filling up. I know that uh, I am excited to be here, even though we are still in quarantine podcast land my dog's about to lose it's marbles it means there's somebody who probably making a delivery at the front door right next to the office which is awesome but i've got to ask uh i got to talk to tuttle a little bit and just say aloha mr hand so it's good to see you tuttle how are things going man
0: i'm doing well i've got my palm trees on here oh so there perfect. we go works perfectly for aloha sunset and uh, palm trees it's going well i mean i think uh each time I've positively talked myself into, hey, this is how things are going, and uh, I think the uh, the cabin fever is kind of at an all-time high. I'm, uh, I'm getting a little restless. But uh, I shared a tweet with you yesterday that I saw Texas is opening up its, uh, kind of no. tiptoeing back out into the world, and I knew Texas would be California in, in all accounts on that, because uh, we tend to be a little uh, left wing as a state in, uh, in in California here. So. Hopefully you guys have um, some success coming out of the uh, cocoon and, you know, spreading your wings and flying out into the real world because uh, I'm looking forward to the day when that happens for us.
1: I am too. Yeah, interesting times ahead of us. It looks like things are easing a little bit and that's going to lead into a couple of topics that we do have later. Korean baseball is talking about getting their season going on uh, May 5th. And then Major League Baseball news just in general. Also, the Red Sox have gotten punishment that we're going to talk about or lack of punishment, depending on how you want to look at it. I was
0: going to say, I don't think they got punishment. But that's, you know, that, <laughs> no, that's that might a good lead point. into what we're saying. Right?
1: Yep. No, that's exactly right. And I have some thoughts on maybe why they, you know, why things happened or I'm kind of curious with why Rob Manford gave up so easily. And also some NFL draft news. We had our thoughts on what we thought should happen. So we're going to give you a little post-NFL draft critique. I am Jeff Blum. I played in the major leagues for 14 years for six different teams, and I'm now the current Astros uh, color analyst on their TV side. No, I didn't do anything to help these guys cheat, and I'm sick and tired of the irrational hatred of fans towards broadcasters who have nothing to do with anything that happened on the field. If you tweet at me about that, there's a good chance you're going to get a retort because it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But that being said, you just heard from my great friend and great co-host, David Tuttle, who spent time at Santa Clara University as a pitcher, student-athlete, uh, played for Team USA there in the late 80s, early 90s, and then went on to have a uh, nine or 10-year ma- uh, minor league career.
0: Yeah, nine years. And nine it was years. the early 90s, not the late 80s. Just, okay. just for age and you know clarification, <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm old and senile. But
1: yeah, But that's how good of friends we are. I box that every yeah. time I talk about it. But uh, just to give you an idea of who who is hosting Bleacher Blum. So we enjoy having everybody in here. And we just gave you an idea of what's going to be on tap in our show. And uh, that, of course, is brought to you by St. Arnold. But we've also got another sponsor for this podcast, Tuttle. It's somebody we enjoy uh, quite a bit. It's actually Ladder Sport Nutrition Everybody's heard about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody's heard about LeBron James, and they have started a nutrition company. And they have sent us a couple of things to try out. I've got the whey protein and a little bit of a pre-workout hydration. A couple of vegan options they have also. And what's cool about Ladder is that they actually send these in packets if you want them. So if you want, if you're like me, who usually on a normal basis, I'm traveling quite a bit. I can take the packets with me. They're pre-measured. I just dump them into a, uh, you know, a shaker, shake those things up. And uh, they do a great job as far as the nutrition side of it. They've got scientists who formulate a, a line of clean performance products. And they also have third-party testing, which really helps things out and makes sure, makes sure that these are the best product for you. Uh, we've had a lot of fun enjoying the product that they've given us. And if you want to enjoy it, you go to ladder.sport.com. And on your way to check out, enter better every day in all capitals and you'll get 30% off your purchase. So we appreciate Ladder sponsoring this podcast. And let's just go ahead and get into the bleachers and get this thing started. Tuttle, we talked about how good you're doing, but I wanna know how is your week gone? Are you guys uh, assimilating? Are you adjusting? Are you jealous of Houston like you just talked about? How we're gonna ease things a little bit and try and create a little more of a community outside the house?
0: Yeah. Um, I, am jealous. I mean, that's, I guess the only way to put it, we have a, a thread, a group of guys that I play basketball with, and we have a little, uh, I guess an email thread about when the gym's going to open. We play down at the boys and girls club and, uh, and there was a kind of this fervor on Monday or Tuesday, like, Hey guys, you know, I'm in, if the gym's open and somebody else is kind of like, eh, there's one guy that's kind of in charge of, uh, in charge of the, uh, knowing when the gym is open and paying the dues and all that stuff. And, uh, And we got word yesterday that the gym is not open. It's following the guidelines that uh, California has set forth. And he said that we may not be the first to know when the gym opens, but we'll be uh, close to first in line to know when the gym opens. And so I think it's just kind of another, uh, you know, letting the air out of the balloon again, like, you know, it's kind of a sad, a sad day that we are not, uh, as I said earlier, you know, kind of getting out of our cocoon and getting back into the real world. So it's a little, uh, I don't know. It's a little disheartening, and I realize that it's all still for the betterment uh, and the health of kind of the general population. But uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like now I've been cooped up so long, it's like I'm willing to risk it. But I don't know. I don't know.
1: You you actually bring up a really good point. I had this conversation with my wife as we were taking a walk around outside this morning, and with the reopening, Governor George. Uh, uh, what is it, Greg Abbott out here in Texas? I think he had a uh, press conference. I just call him Governor name.
0: Abbott from afar, but yeah. you know, if you want to know his first name, he, he's, he's been fantastic.
1: But uh, you're right in the sense that Texas is a little more uh, aggressive towards you know personal rights <laughs> as opposed to California that's trying to kind of govern everything a little bit more. But. Governor Abbott came out and said that they're going to start opening things up. And as my wife and I are talking about it, and we talk about the responsibility of everybody, if you're going to wear a mask, wear a mask, or if they make us wear a mask, is that really the worst thing that happens uh, in in order to get out and uh, do what you want to do instead of what you have to do, like the essential shopping and things like that? But it is going to become a risk-reward conversation every time you go out there and do that because yes we talked about I've played uh, golf a couple times and as I'm driving to the golf course I'm going okay I have I've got to be really good about what I touch who I'm around how close I get to the other guys when we're talking and then I've got to wipe everything down I've got to make sure I get my uh, you know sanitizer on my hands when I get back in the car and head back to the house I wash and take off my clothes as soon as I get back so you know now we are living in a world that is going to be risk or reward Is me going, or you going to the gym playing basketball with your boys, is that worth the risk? I mean, don't you feel like that's how everything's going to be about choices?
0: I I totally think so. And I was thinking of the herd immunity that I keep reading about in some of the medical journals, right? Which is, you know, I mean, that kind of gets into the, you know, are you an anti-vaxxer? Do you vaccinate your children? I mean, you know, it's a very you already talked about the difference between California and Texas in terms of personal rights and freedoms. I mean, this, we do not want to make this podcast a political uh, bending or, you know, uh, polarizing thing. But yeah, I think it is. It's ultimately going to be about personal choice. And I think when the quarantine first started, we discussed the fact that uh, I read an article that said, you know, we should all kind of act like we have it. And if we act like we have it, then we mask up and we stay away from people and we kind of treat everybody, you know, the way we're supposed to in terms of that distancing. But now, as you know, more people have been exposed, and more people have built up some immunities, and, you know, there's other testing going on. I think you're absolutely right. It's really going to be about personal choice. And I I joked with my guys, the basketball guys, like, you know, we can build our own herd immunity, like, let's get down there. And you know, we're all in shape and decently healthy. And let's go down there and, you know, try and build up our immunity and make us stronger anyway. So, I think just the short answer to your question is, yeah, it's going to be about personal choices and, and personal comfort in terms of what you are willing to tolerate and what you're willing to expose yourself with. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Interesting times ahead. And that brings us to our first topic. And I don't know how much you've read up on the, uh, the, you know, Korean baseball is what I want to talk about. Cause there was a couple people on Twitter that actually, uh, tweeted at me and wanted to know about this situation because that's the one league where we know the KBO uh, is actually going to play they've been playing spring training games they've all been masked up and I'm not sure to what extent I think they're getting tested every week out there I'm not positive but I know for a fact that Cinco de Mayo obviously we celebrate that here in the states Uh, for whatever reason it sounds good and man speaking of Cinco de Mayo do you think (laughs) Cinco de Mayo do you think Corona sales are going to be down on that day
0: I've heard Corona sales were down in general, which that cracks me up. I mean, that speaks to, um, uh, no, I don't want to be politically correct, but that speaks to maybe the intelligence sometimes of the GP and the uh, association uh, rightfully or wrongfully in certain instances. But yeah, I think they'll, they're will they going to be down and it's going to be a Modelo or a Pacifico Cinco de Mayo, I got to say. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, there's going to be some
1: options, but I'm very delicately put by David Tuttle, my co-host, right there on the uh, the mentality of beer drinkers that might be avoiding Corona for various reasons this, these days. But uh, Korean baseball is going to be uh, going on May 5th. Just a couple of things about the Korean Baseball League that I discovered. They have 10 teams, three of them play in the same city. Uh, they're probably going to quarantine those guys. They are actually going to play a full 144-game set schedule, But here's some of the caveats. If a player or coach is infected with COVID-19, the league will be shut down for a three-week minimum. It's kind of interesting right there. And then the other one is no fans in the stands. So they are going to start their season with no fans in the stands. We kind of expect Major League Baseball to, to model after that. I don't think they'll go to the extent that Korean has. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, Tuttle, or if you've investigated this at all, but they actually have robots and fake cardboard cutouts in the stands to uh, replicate fans in the stands. I don't know if that helps the players or hurts the players, but it should be interesting And I would imagine that this is going to be a pretty good model for Major League Baseball. And I don't know how you feel about it, or if you have any insight into it. But wouldn't you imagine or I would hope that Major League Baseball is kind of would have to be sending somebody there to check this out, or have somebody in there that they can talk to and investigate and see what works, what doesn't or what adjustments they make throughout the course of the process. Wouldn't that be interesting?
0: I mean, I think you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it would certainly be interesting. I wish you asked me for insight. I do not have a lot of insight on that. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's knows more of a curiosity
1: they're... for me. Like, how is this going to happen? I might, I might be watching this a little more closely just to see how it works.
0: Yeah. And, and I, you know, the first thing I, I thought of when you mentioned the cardboard cutouts and some of the robots in the stands is, is that seems a little, um, kind of extraneous, like it doesn't seem like it'd be necessary. But if they're employing like the stadium workers by like, all right, you guys are making the cutouts, and you guys are doing this, if they're getting some stadium workers in there, and they're keeping up employment and keeping up some sort of, I don't know, some sort of um, regularity or um, normalcy, then I think that that's probably not the worst thing in the world. I mean, that was the part that kind of made me smile is that, you know, they have fake people in the stands but mm-hmm. you know there could be a reason behind that but certainly it's it, everything's up for um kind of uh all ideas are open this is a brainstorming session there's no reason that major league baseball couldn't look at that as a as a possible um you know solution or a possible uh kind of gateway to having a solution or a resolution here in the states for major league baseball now um this is a question for you i saw manny ramirez was making a comeback and i didn't know if that was taiwanese baseball or Korean league baseball. Uh, I just saw it. Um, I, yeah, I just looked it up, but I didn't know, I didn't know if you had heard about that, maybe tied to the Korean thing. So I'll, I'll look that up and and get back to you on that. But, uh, he's 48. So we we know, we know what that feels like. He could probably, uh, Hit with his eyes closed or hit, you know, rolling out of bed. There are a few guys like that. So,
1: yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you can go out there and hit and, and square the baseball up. But the thing you know is this as well as I do it's the next day that we worry about, man. Because I, yeah. I, you know, I've done those home run derbies and man, the next day I'm just, I'm like, how the <laughs> hell did I even do this on a daily basis? I haven't heard about the Manny Ramirez thing. It would be interesting, and obviously he's a he's a ticket seller because people want to show up and get those tickets to watch him play. But it's funny the cardboard cutouts that I've seen have all had advertising on them, you know, from local Korean companies. But I mean, I don't know what I don't know, I'm going to have to call the KBO and see if we can get some Bleacher Blum uh, t-shirts put on those guys. Maybe get a little free pub out of it. But uh, yeah, it's has got to do that. <laughs> but it, it's interesting major league baseball is going to be looking into that and I want to move now to major league baseball and actually talk about an article that came a couple of articles that came out uh, yesterday and today and all the Astro fans are going to go bonkers when I tell them that I referred to a Jeff Passon article everybody yeah. that's in Houston Astro loves Jeff Passan and his passionate articles for major league baseball and have nothing to do with the Astros <laughs> tongue-in-cheek however He wrote an article and Bob Nightingale had written an article and they have said that the major league baseball executives have talked and leaked out some of this information saying that there's a potential for a three division, 10, 10 team uh, divisions. So there'd be three 10 team divisions and it would give baseball, what they've always been trying to do is actually realign the country to accommodate travel for these leagues and for these cities. And it, does, it doesn't work exactly well for the Texas teams, the Rangers and the Astros, as far as how they line up as far as the central time zone. But incorporating in the West, what they did is they incorporated Arizona and Colorado. So I'm going to rattle off what the West division would be in this scenario. This mythical, magical, hypothetical uh, scenario is the West would be the Angels, Dodgers, Athletics, Giants, Astros, Mariners, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, and Rangers. I got to be honest, I'd love it. I know the travel would suck, but it would be great getting to play at Giants Stadium again, uh, you know, up there in San Francisco. It would be great to get back into San Diego and see some old friends and play in that ballpark for these guys. And obviously, the Arizona and Colorado are pretty easy travel for the Houston Astros. It's just interesting to me that they didn't put the Rangers and the Astros in that central division, which would be Indians, White Sox, Cubs, Twins, Brewers, Cardinals, Reds, Braves, which is interesting being an East Coast team Tigers and Royals. And on the East Coast would have both New York teams: the Red Sox, Nationals, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays and Miami. I would not want to be the Miami Marlins or the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles in that situation. <laughs> no they way. are going to get absolutely destroyed. But what are your first uh, thoughts about the possibility of everybody playing in their own stadium and being in these realigned divisions? Does that bother you at all? Because my, it doesn't say anything specifically in the article, but I would imagine it'd still be American league National League, Cause you have to set up obviously the world series, but what are your thoughts on the initial thought of playing a hundred games, number one, and then being aligned the way they are?
0: I I like it. I mean, you know, we talked about this before. I mean, this is kind of a, um, it's not a foregone year, but we were just saying like, if you're going to play a hundred games, like nobody's going to hit 50 home runs and nobody's going to be on pace to do this. I mean, somebody may yeah. actually hit 400 again, who knows in a hundred game season because right? you're, like yeah, you're only playing two thirds of the season. So, We talked about – it was Trout's suggestion or somebody else's suggestion about having a sudden death. um, Oh, yeah, uh, uh, Justin
1: Turner out there in L.A., the home run derby.
0: There you go. It wasn't Trout. Thank you. Yeah, JT said that, you know, we could have a home run derby kind of – I mean, this is the year to kind of try those things. So I'm open for the realignment. And as you said, maybe there would be an American American League, National League – filter on it, but you would play all these teams kind of equally. And then how did you do against the American League or how did you do against the National League would be a better way to separate it at the end. But yeah, I mean this would be something that it would be a great kind of um experiment to try now when the numbers of course matter, but just like when Ted Williams left and many other players left for World War II, you know, on the back of their baseball card it says, you know, season shortened or season uh uh you know, uh, missed because yeah, strike shortened, all that stuff. This is just going to be another kind of um, asterisk anyway. So, you know, let's, let's try a couple of different things. I like the alignment. You mentioned the travel. I think the travel would be easier. Now the Texas teams and obviously Atlanta being aligned in the, in the central yeah. being an East coast team, there are a few tweaks that it's kind of like, all right, it's not going to be fair necessarily, or it may be more difficult for that team. But in all honesty, I mean, I think if you're going to try something, this is the year to do it. And if it's going to be 100 games, I mean, I think that would be a, a fantastic idea. And if it blew up or it wasn't a good idea, then, you know, I, I mean, no harm, no foul, kind of.
1: No, that's actually a great point that has to be taken into account. I hope they're saying that within their meetings. It's like we, we, we talked about it, I think, two podcasts ago. No matter what you do, nobody is going to be 100% happy. You're going to piss some people off. You're going to piss off players. You're going to piss off fans. They're going to gripe and groan and blah, Uh, this, that, this, that. It's not traditional. Guess what? This year has not been traditional. It it sucks. So we need to find a way to make something happen. And I think the the idea of the greater good outweighs annoying the few. And, you know, I hope that translates to the players too because ultimately ultimately we know that none of this – None of this will happen unless the players union says we are on board. We agree to the circumstances. Let's go play. And I think that's probably the biggest hurdle that major league baseball, the commissioners, the owners, and people involved in these conversations, they have to come up with an idea that says, okay, this is what we're coming at you with the union. And I think that's what's interesting because we talked about it in uh, other shows that we've done, how they were talking about isolating everybody in, in Phoenix, or isolating everybody in three different uh, territories, say uh, Arizona, Texas, and Florida. And players immediately shot back, or at least some of the, uh, the guys who are making mega money, not the, the guys who are you know, rookies or making the league minimum, they're not gonna bitch and moan. They're gonna say, put me on the field, I'm ready to go play. But the guys that have a little more power in the game as far as contracts and notoriety said, oh, we're not leaving our families, we can't do that. But I think with the way this is set up or the way it is uh, hypothetically constructed, the fact that they're saying that every team will be in their home city, I think allows for the opportunity to be near, or at least in the vicinity of their families to be available. So I think that might be part of the appeal. And they might be talking about ways to incorporate their family at home to try and appease these guys as they go out. But I would like for the whole, I would like for guys like Mike Trout to, and Clayton Kershaw and some of these guys to stand up and go, look, this this is awful this is a terrible situation but we have an opportunity to play the game of baseball and realistically for 100 games and 4 months out of your life would really go a long way to some of those younger guys in the union that you're trying to impress and say okay we're all on this together you know because i i think you've talked about it quite a bit some of those guys in the lower levels are going hey man i'm still here too and i got a voice and it should be just as equal as yours
0: yeah for sure and that those opportunities are still there and especially as we said with the expanded rosters possibly because of the you know shortened turnover time or that home run if they do the sudden death thing with the realignment maybe you get a couple guys 40 man um, roster time and obviously elevated pay as they get to play and you know the other guys i mean this is the other thing about veterans i mean the teams that have all the veterans like the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers, these teams that are put on the payroll, they have an advantage in a hundred game season. This is a sprint. You don't have to get 200. You don't have to get 220 innings out of Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander, no matter who you are, you just need about 120 innings. And they just need to kind of, it would almost be like a tee up. They're not going to get 30 starts or 37 starts or whatever they normally get. Mm. Um, That, that would be huge for them because in the playoffs, I mean, in the playoffs, you're ready to roll. Those guys are ready to roll. And so I think, you know, there, there are some dynamics to look at. Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts. You mentioned it. Like, not everybody's going to be happy, especially the point I just brought up. Those teams that have experienced veteran kind of solid teams already have mm-hmm. a huge advantage. I, I saw Steve Kerr last night um, on an article I was reading. He said that the Warriors are acting like the season's already over. I mean, they were 5-50 and 50 or 11-50. and 50. <laughs> And, um, and he said, we're just not going to play. Like They were trying to get to a 70-game minimum season. and And I mm-hmm. think that started with the TV contracts. You needed 70 regional something to make the TV oh. contract. And most teams have played like 63 to 65 games. So they thought, all right, if we can get June 1st and play five or six games, everybody got to that threshold of 70. And anyway, there's some other logistics in there, but I bring it up to kind of make this point, which is – I mean, they're they're already, like, packing it in, even if they had to go out there. Like, why would they put Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, you know, Draymond Green back on the court in a season it's that they're, a, you know, they're going to they're be a lottery. They're getting a lottery pick. So mm-hmm. they would just mail it in. I don't even know. And then other teams are wanting the playoffs and want the NBA championship and all that stuff to roll. So those are... Um, complicated issues that I bring up with the NBA that the baseball could be looking at because, as you said, not everybody's going to be happy necessarily about the realignment or the quarantine or maybe the schedule, but this also might slant um, kind of the, the table or the, the the field in in the favor of the teams that, uh, that have bigger payrolls and have some more experience on their roster because 100 games, you know very well, your body, how that felt after a long time. Like 100 games is going to be a lot easier than 162.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's interesting, you talked about the pitchers innings, you know, those guys are going to be hitting their stride as they go into the playoffs, you know, after, you know, a couple starts. So I think that's really interesting. I think it would be extremely interesting, because you mentioned the asterisk next to the 2020 season, because it is going to be shortened if they play. The You know, it may be a different playoff scenario with teams who get off to electric starts and just take it all the way through and maybe a surprise team gets into the playoffs that maybe wouldn't. And then wouldn't it be interesting? 2017, the Astros win a controversial World Series. 2018, the uh, Boston Red Sox win a controversial World Series. The Nationals win last year. But what if the Dodgers show up win the World Series in a shortened season like this, and they're the ones that end up with the asterisk next to their name going, world champions of a shortened season. Would that not be <laughs> ironic?
0: Oh, it would be ironic. I mean, I think they would take it either way. Just like the, <laughs> yeah, the they Red would. Sox took it. But, you know, hey, we beat everybody in a 100-game season or a 100-game sprint. But, yeah, it would be, it would be really interesting. And I, I think that they would probably look at their season as less tainted in the sense that, it was shortened, but there was no, uh, maybe no shenanigans going on behind the scenes, at least according to, to them. So that could lead us into the shenanigans or the punishment or lack thereof, right, of the Red yeah. Sox?
1: Yeah. No, we, we, we can talk about uh, uh, the, the, the Boston Red Sox, man. These guys are living the dream. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get into the logistics because I didn't read the report other than the fact that uh, for whatever reason, Rob Manford decided to put the Astros' name in it which I don't understand. Why do you have to just, I mean, it's, you know, the wound is still open. The scab is still raw. And you're going to come out here with your, you know, your little salt guy thing and just pour more onto that wound, to irritate it and tear that thing up. So the Astros obviously get uh, not only their own report, they get mentioned in the Red Sox report. I have an issue with that. But I'm going to ask you how you feel because I'm going to try and reserve my, my, issues with this it's disappointing for me I'll I'll go ahead and admit that it's disappointing but it's also interesting to me that the poor video guy ends up taking the bullet for the team and nobody else does I mean you know Cora got suspended and they said it was for the 2017 season not the 18 issues that uh, apparently the video guy was putting on everybody but uh Manfred gave up sent out this didn't punish anybody and uh thoughts Tuttle what do you got
0: you know, so many thoughts running through my head. You know, the first thing you mentioned, because I didn't read the whole scope of the article, so let's not pretend I'm going to bring a bunch of facts to this. But um, I will say it reminded me of Deflategate, right? These two guys that are blowing up footballs for Tom Brady. Like, he's the $20 million, $30 million, $40 million quarterback. And they're going, oh, yeah, these two little guys behind some chain-link fence in the clubhouse wearing, like, Patriots shorts from 20 years ago. And they, like, clean the shoes and – a. Oh, how do you like this ball? Like, they're the ones that are like taking full responsibility for, you know, tweaking the air pressure in the ball. Like the same thing with the video guy. Like, you know, these Red Sox were just innocent. They were wandering around the dugout. Like, you know, this guy's making us look at this video. I don't want to. I don't want to see the video. Like, you know, I just, I just, as you, as you smile, and I'm being very tongue in cheek. I mean, that guy is definitely not responsible. And I think to your point they're basically saying that, you know, it all happened before Alex Cora, you know, well, it didn't happen before he got there, but he brought it over from Houston with him. Right. Just like Carlos Beltran who never got to manage a game and was never really even implicated in the other thing. You I know? mean, I think they just, that, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, they they look at it, like the Astros poison the well and then anything, you know, we talk about the coaching tree in the NFL, um, you know, any, anybody that left Houston, is going to be punished for this and that was the only place this was happening and that's the only person and team and area where there's any responsibility so i i just i feel like you're right it's like pouring salt into the wound and it's probably not a very well thought out or very well um kind of meted out punishment it's not it's not done appropriately and it kind of makes it kind of makes a mockery of what the whole point of it was anyway i think
1: no, I, I, I agree with you. And to your point, I made a note on my sheet, kind of, kind of trying to explain that, you know, the whole point of punishment and the whole point of consequence, and we do this with our kids, you know, the first time they do it, you're kind of like, hey, you shouldn't have done that, Johnny. And then they do it again, and you're the, the consequence ramps up. And that is not what happened here with the Boston Red Sox, because... The reason the Astros were in so much trouble is because the 2017 Red Sox were doing it with an Apple watch. Apparently this guy Watkins was doing the same thing. So he's really the only one that suffered the consequence of, of doing it twice. Whereas the organization didn't get punished for doing it twice where, you know, obviously there was a lot more interaction between uh, players and front office and trying to scheme that way with the Astros. So I get that part, but I agree with you in the sense, I think kind of reading what you're saying is, is this wasn't really a deterrent. This doesn't, if I'm another team and I'm going, I got a pretty good size market. We got a pretty good team. A lot of people tune in to watch us. I think we might be able to try and get away with this again. If they, if we do get caught, so what, you know, the video guy is going to get suspended. We're not going to lose any money or draft picks. We're good. So that's where I thought it was kind of interesting. But at the same time, I think there's also a, a, a social aspect to this. And I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, whether unions involved or whatever, or they pointed to the Astros and said, look, these guys are getting absolutely obliterated on social media. They're getting obliterated in articles. They're getting obliterated on radio. They're going to take a beating when the season starts again, or when fans get back in the stands, you know, do we want that to happen to another team? So I think there's a little bit of leniency in the part that they didn't want the Red Sox to suffer the same social consequence that the Astros were were suffering from. I don't know if that's appropriate or should be in the thought process, but considering what the Astros have gone through and will continue to go through, uh, I don't, I wouldn't, I personally don't wish that on anybody else. You know, it's one, it's one thing to go out there on the field and get crushed. It's another thing to have every Instagram post and every tweet you send out, have some jack wagon on there going, cheater, trash can, cheater, trash can. I mean, it's been pretty limited uh, to, to the responses, but, it's been absolutely annoying. And I've got an, I've got an idea, and, I, and you know about the baseball gods, and so do a lot of baseball fans. So here, here's my theory on 2020.
0: COVID, Let me write down my baseball yeah. gods notes here. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead.
1: COVID is the baseball gods' way of saying that sign-stealing is its own pandemic and is suspending all of baseball because all teams, did you hear me? All teams do it. They have tried to cheat in one way or another. They've either done it successfully or they haven't. The only, but how about the fact that the only teams getting punished for this or semi-punished, I did it, the air quotes, are teams that are good. Yankees, Astros, Red Sox. So, maybe the Marlins did it. Maybe the Pirates did it. Maybe the Reds did it. We don't know because we don't care. We only care when teams win if they cheated or not. It's a little bit of a far-fetched theory, but that's kind of where I'm at with this season in 2020.
0: I like it. And and I will say, I mean, air quotes are fine because now we're on video. And so people can actually see the air quotes. And I would say about 20 podcasts ago, we're almost to podcast 70, I I brought up the Mariners. And I was saying that the winning thing is yeah. one of the key issues to this for sure. And the funny thing is, there's an old saying, and we all know it, which is it's much easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. And I think, you know, I mean, whether it be Evan Gaddis or anybody else that's coming out now and apologizing for their role in this, it's so much easier at the end to be like, or steroids or whatever else, like PEDs, like, oh my God, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't know the effect it was going to have. And, you know, please forgive me. I apologize. And let's move on. And I realized that, you know, you being associated at the beginning of this podcast uh, you mentioned it with the Astros and, you know, it's an organization that doesn't mean everybody's guilty, but there are certainly a lot of hard feelings about this, but it just, it doesn't seem that that vitriol, like you said, goes towards the Red Sox or the Yankees or anybody else that got caught doing it. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, I think we just tend to ask for forgiveness a lot easier than, than permission and, and, you know, with baseball, you know, there's old sayings, right? Was it Gaylord Perry or one of those guys, right? He ain't cheating, ain't trying. So I think it's probably <laughs> going to continue to continue to be weaved into the fabric of baseball, but it is time to move on and move onward. And hopefully, as we said, just like the uh, governor of Houston, or I'm sorry, the governor of Texas is doing, is going to let us uh, spread our wings and kind of get to some sense of uh, what is right and what is normal here soon.
1: Yeah, all kinds of normal waiting to happen. But what wasn't normal was the NFL draft. I thought that that was very interesting. And my overall feeling on the event was, I'll let, let's let you answer first, because I seem to, I, to, to railroad some of these, and I don't want to obscure any thoughts or opinions. So Tuttle, what was your initial impression of the NFL draft that happened virtually on TV the other day?
0: Well, I have to be honest. Uh, I think last podcast I mentioned I hadn't seen The Last Dance, and now I'm catching up on that. So uh, I did not watch a lot of the draft. I realized I, I saw some numbers that said the draft um, doubled or two and a half times its viewership since there are no sports. Uh, I went for a walk in the neighborhood, and my, one of my neighbors has the old, like most of us, right, the old flat screen, kind of his uh, man cave in the garage, and he was doing a workout. And uh, all he had was, like, he had day three of the draft on on Saturday morning. Like, he was pumping iron in there. And he's like, hey, there's no sports on. This is what I'm watching. So, I mean, the NFL continues to find itself, uh, even in the off offseason, uh, at the forefront of sports news. But, uh, you know, I, I think I said this before. Goodell could have done so many cool things. I know he did the boo track, like, please boo me. I'm used to getting booed. And then he had, you know, um, I guess there was a plug for beer. One of the sponsors like Bud Light or somebody who's a sponsor of the NFL. So there were a couple things they did. I think they could have done so much more. And really, and I've learned this doing the podcast, if I'm really gonna if I'm gonna, you know, pronounce like Tua Tonga by name or if I'm gonna have a name that I think's tricky, then I'm gonna practice that, you know, like sibilance, sibilants, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be practicing articulating that because those are the only things I'm going to have to do in front of a national uh, TV audience. And I don't know. I just thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, a little, um, just a little bland and a little soft, just like you would expect from, you know, this corporate kind of monstrosity that does it. I will say, and I, I cannot take credit for this, but because your wife is an interior decorator, we need to get her more business. Somebody had a blazing hot tweet about, the curtains and the couches and all the homes that they got to go into. What better hunting ground for interior decorators and interior designers than watching the NFL draft in a Midwest home where they go, hey, look at that couch. It's terrible. This guy's going to get 40 to $60 million and they live in this house that hasn't been decorated since 1987. I'm calling them up. I want them as a client. I'm going to change the curtains. Let's put some window coverings in here. I am dialed in but that is uh, any interior decorator designer listening to this. You've got to share this with Corey. If you haven't already get on the replay of the NFL draft and hunt for clients because boy, there were some really interesting um, living uh, areas in these homes.
1: It's, it's called staging folks. (laughs) Stage it. It may not be the real thing you're living in, but stage this thing dress oh, it up man. put you know put some <laughs> lipstick on that thing man lipstick on a pig baby. yeah dude i'm like you know what i under you know the means the means may not be there it may be different situations but these guys have committed to the nfl so they're they uh their amateur status gone Poof. you're not risking anything take a loan from somebody if you're going to be a first round pick how about this? Drew Rosenhaus or whoever these agents are that are representing these guys, float them a little cash and say, dress this thing up. Put a poster in the background, a picture, a plant, something. What are you going tell you? You're about to explode.
0: Well, even in that regard, you know, these staging companies, we all watch the home like on yes. HGTV and stuff. So you're not going to go around the whole house. Just... This area where the camera is going to be, move the rent flower couch and take those down, rent the couch, put a flat screen TV over here and put a modern like lamp or some lighting fixture and rock and roll. And then you didn't have to do anything. You don't need a loan. You don't need a new home yet. You just kind of decorated it. And I will say my favorite tweet out of the draft. And so I did have a draft topic, I guess, which was interior decorator. <laughs> so there was something that I watched. J.J. Watt said, and now J.J. Watt, mind you, has an all-pro brother with the Steelers, and his other brother plays a uh, fullback as well. So three Watt yeah, they're brothers no, they're the now,
1: they, they've splintered off and are now selling their sperm.
0: Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, that bloodline is unbelievable, dude. It is. So three <laughs> brothers in the NFL, but J.J. Watt tweeted during the NFL draft, do you know how long? my mom would have had us cleaning and scrubbing the house if the draft was coming in the house. Like that, that's what I thought of. Like when I got drafted, it was a phone call from baseball. You've yeah. got the same thing in my college apartment. I was like sitting oh, in an man. apartment. It was like the phone rang. I was like, Oh, you know, answer the phone. Yeah. This was, you know, it was, so he, the the fact that it was a zoom draft, he said that his mom and dad would have made the brothers clean the house for weeks before the <laughs> NFL came in.
1: But isn't that the point we we knew we knew in March that that this we were not going to go to Vegas and have sit in the green room and be on camera in our best suits you know yeah. the money you save from getting that suit put it into the background put it into the the setup or the staging that you're sitting in because we knew in March this was this was going right. to be on TV they were going to be webcams cameras whatever it is in your room lock that thing down and the staging is a brilliant <laughs> idea and shoot you know flow you know it's a game of adjustments we talk about that all the time but now i guarantee you a lot of these agents and maybe some of these guys are looking back at the video like you said the replay this is their one day this is my one chance to get on there and you know the guy who stole the show was mike or uh mike variable the coach oh, of yeah, Tennessee mike Grable, t- yeah. Tennessee Titans who had, you know, his his sons or somebody in his family in a weird onesie, and the other guy was crossing his arms on the other side. And then in the reflection, we saw somebody, we don't know yeah, what he was doing. Possibly in the bathroom. Yeah. So the situation was kind of funny, and then uh, Belichick turned into a dog. I mean, that stuff was entertaining, but yep. I agree with you in the sense that they could have staged this thing and dressed it up because that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, man, you're, you're going to be on TV for five minutes out of this thing, and you're going to be the number one pick. I mean – uh, I don't know, just maybe, maybe just spice it up a, m- a little bit.
0: Just dust, a little dust rag or a yeah. little dust mop going around. But, you know what's uh, funny? The other one is Ki- Kingsbury, too. Kingsbury looked like he was oh, auditioning dude. for The Bachelor. And now the new Bachelor <laughs> for this, like, Cliff Kingsbury. Like, all right. Like, Did
1: you see the, did you see the uh, meme about uh, that showed the picture of Kingsbury on the top in his plush pad? And then underneath it had a picture of Belichick sitting at, like, his dining room table in his <laughs> 1980s home that he bought 50 years ago.
0: And no, it I said
1: – on the top it said five wins, and then on the bottom it said like eight championships or something like that. It just blew up Kingsbury. It was, it was pretty pretty
0: good. That's great. Um, yeah, I like that. That's my kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but I, I, was, I was thoroughly bored with it because of that. I was expecting a little bit more. Maybe I sold – you know, maybe we sold it uh, more. I was expecting a, a little more out of it. Uh, but it was tough because of the delays that they have. Uh, you know, number one pick, uh, Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's going – Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh, hey. hey, hey. You know, I was, it was so delayed and awkward, but uh, they did the best they hilarious. could. But if I had an MVP for this whole thing, it would be Trey Wingo, who was hosting this thing back at uh, the studios at ESPN, because I think that uh, you know there was a lot of pressure on him to kind of navigate between you know analysts. Uh, players in their homes, and then Roger Goodell and the timing of everything. I can only imagine the earpiece he was wearing just must have been blowing up with, you know, cues, where to send it, how to send it, names, uh, you know, what we're trying to get to. And as I'm sitting there watching this thing, understanding that, I was in complete panic because I was wondering if something went down, I would love to have seen Trey Wingo's face as soon as they said, Goodell's feed went down. And then Trey, you just see Trey Wingo go, uh, and then he'd have to be the guy making the picks. That would have been absolutely insane. But uh, it kind of got off without a hitch. I was, I was impressed by that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it went off without a hitch, aside from the delay, like you said, and some of the, uh, some of the maybe the design flaws in the in the prep from the uh, from the draftees. But uh, you know, I mean, watching guys get drafted is probably. Um, a really unique experience in general. Like I said, when I got drafted, I didn't even have a cell phone. So that makes me sound old, but you know, they had to hunt you down and they tell you by phone. So, and that's how most of the draft goes for most of the players too, by the way. I mean, this is the green room for the top picks and they kind of know they're going to be the top picks, but I think it's funny, you know, ultimately that they're, you know, Oh great. I got drafted. Okay. Excellent. I mean, that's, that's how it should be. But you know, you and I've been doing the zoom podcast for a while and technologies, you know, the bandwidth is picking up and the NFL has plenty of money to throw towards it. So I guess my expectations, what weren't that, um, that the draft would blow up. I just thought that they had, um, plenty of opportunities for marketing pieces and, um, you know, some kind of some way to make it a little more interactive and a little more entertaining based on the fact that, uh, that it was going to be remote and there was going to be less human interaction. You know, they could have made it unique to the COVID-19 year, but you know, I didn't see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand they're trying to stick to the basics and make it as professional as possible. And I still believe, and shoot, I hope that uh, the Astros broadcast actually, you know, proves this point is that you can have a little bit of fun and keep it professional. You know, there's, there's moments of levity, there's moments of seriousness, but uh, you know, uh, but that's also us talking on a podcast. Maybe we're a little more uh, extravagant in the sense that we would try and push the envelope a little bit when we're on there. But speaking of pushing the envelope, guess what time it is for? Look at the slow motion effects I've got on this one, this today. waddle, will Tuttle say? Oh,
0: well, that's nice, man. New yeah. graphics. I like it. We're going to put a <laughs> put old KP to work there to edit that in. <laughs> hey, uh, well, hello. Uh, what'll Tuttle say today? It's kind of a cool one. I think I read two articles this week that were very similar on the athletic. Ah. we talked about the athletic. Oh, I know I thought
1: you just talked about reading.
0: Yeah. Two whole articles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Since I don't read anymore, I just listen. I listen to books. My audible account is, uh,
1: i am going that way too, man.
0: Yeah. It's just, you know, it's chock full and then with cabin fever, it's kind of like, what, what'd you say? No, I'm listening to my book. You know, do you need me for something? I'm that in, goes back in, to in like my
1: first podcast ever. The air, the dreaded AirPods, dude. Now they're everywhere in our house. You're so right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't do it while I'm driving, so that that helps. <laughs> but uh, walking across the crosswalk, I'm just trying to ignore my family. That sound, <laughs> that makes me sound like a good guy. Huh? Truth is out. No, sh- no shaving and ignoring my family. That's why I probably don't even around.
1: recognize you anymore.
0: No, um, they they say they do, but you know maybe <laughs> if I grow it out a little bit longer, I need I need a Dallas Keichel to come on and uh, give me some, like, you know, some kind That'd of manicuring and shaping, shaping uh, tips. So anyway, I'm on day 33 or 34 of no shaving. So that's kind of cool. Um, so what'll Tuttle say is about, I read an article yesterday about uh, Ricky Hendersonisms, about Ricky <laughs> being Ricky. And then before that last week, they had an article on Larry Bird and Larry Bird's um, ability to talk smack to everybody. And I think it's so funny because Jordan, People know he's ruthless. Rodman used to talk smack, um, and these guys would talk. But I think what made Larry Bird so unique was, um, and based on this article, they said he would just talk smack, like, right in your ear, like, really quiet. You know, he would just walk up to you and go, yeah, he'd he'd say. So my favorite was Larry Bird would say, he'd go, hey, I'm going to get this inbounds pass right here. I'm going to take two dribbles to my right and I'm going to hit a fadeaway jumper on the baseline. And he said that to Charles Barkley. It'd be interesting. Oh, wow. And this is before the play. This is the timeout. They come out of it He's timeout. setting him up. Oh, yeah. But he did exactly what he said. I mean, he's just in his ear. He didn't Wait, do you,
1: he means, he you mean he told him what he was going to throw?
0: Uh, he told and him he what he was going to throw. And he still couldn't defend it? And he Whoa. still couldn't defend it. I know. Sounds familiar. That so an so finish the that. play. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. It relates back to what we've talked about. That's great. Um, anyway, so Larry Bird, of course, then inbounds play starts, runs over to the spot he said he was going to get it, two dribbles to his right to the baseline, defender stays with him, fade away, swish, came over. And he'd be like, I told you, I effing told you that's what I was going to do. And then he'd come up the back and, and say went, that? Oh, he had, you got to read this article. I'm teeing it up. It is fantastic. And Larry Bird would talk smack all the time. He would talk smack at practice, even to his friends that guard him <laughs> at practice because he was rough at practice. Um, uh, Ed Pinkney, I think, was the guy that guarded him most at practice. He's like, Ed, Ed, I'm going to wear you out at practice <laughs> today. I'm telling you, I'm going to wear you out. I think they, the other one I liked was uh, they played in an international tournament. I don't know if it was the Dream Team or not, 1984. And they were playing this Russian team. So it was a, either a friendly, like the Celtics were traveling, or it was an all-star team of some sort. And uh, Russia had the seven foot two center and he was just blocking up, you know, this kind of mulky guy, athletic guy. And Larry Bird's like on the bench. He's like, I'm gonna dunk right in that guy's face. And whoever was sitting next to him's like, You don't dunk, you shoot yeah, threes so like odd. that. So Larry Bird came back in the game, took two dribbles with his left hand and dunked right over the guy's face <laughs> the guy's face. And then he looked over at the guy on the bench, whoever sitting him. he goes, I told you I was gonna dunk on him. So that yeah. article, and then the then the Ricky Henderson article, both of these things, very similar. Now, Ricky didn't talk smack as much as Ricky just talked about himself in the third person. You had the good fortune of playing against Ricky Henderson. I know all the stories, the folklore that goes around about Ricky Henderson. But my favorite one was, Ricky Henderson was saying how he didn't like the contract like the day after he signed it, or he was saying you know all these <laughs> things. There's the Olerud story, the million dollar check story. My favorite one was, um, Ricky just kept talking and talking and talking and he was playing in Oakland and Dave Henderson was playing with him and Dave Henderson says yeah Ricky Henderson missed the the scene in Bull Durham where you know he they went over all the cliches and I just thought that was my favorite one you know like Ricky doesn't have any cliches he doesn't know how to say let's win this one for the team Ricky is all about Ricky but and he didn't own a watch or a clock, but Ricky could do everything on Ricky time and still have a huge impact on the game. And Larry Bird and Ricky Anderson, two of the greatest of all time. But these articles give you a little insight into their mentality and to, um, you know, and to what, what, what made them successful ultimately. Because we all played with guys like that, that had that uber confidence and that uber kind of um, cutthroat mentality, even with Ricky, who didn't even probably know he had a cutthroat mentality. Uh, so anyway, I, I just thought that was a refreshing and entertaining for my cabin fever week in quarantine and uh and that's what i got for what will Tuttle say but i'd love for you to uh kind of add some light either a ricky henderson story that we haven't heard or uh anything that uh that kind of pertains to these guys that were just ultimate
1: yeah the first the first thing i've got on larry bird is that just increases my my enjoyment of watching him play because i that was i didn't even know that uh but it kills me too. I mean, these guys are so good. And then they talk smack on top, man, I would have given anything to be a superstar and just get in guys ears and go, man, I'm going to dunk on you right now. I'm going (laughs) to take you deep my next at bat and then just yell about it the whole way around the, you know, the, the bases. But I I wasn't to that level. I don't think baseball lends itself to talking smack, but it's a little bit tougher to back it up because uh, the game is so much harder, but basketball is definitely one of those areas where you know Reggie Miller was a guy I remember uh, I was also we talked about the last dance it was really it was kind of refreshing to me to hear that Scottie Pippen was a guy who would go out there and talk a little smack too because he was so good and he always he always he always gave me the impression of being a little more of the silent assassin just kind of that guy waiting in the wings for a pass and then would just you know drive one through your heart and make that shot but now hearing the stories from Michael Jordan and uh, some of the other teammates that he had that he would actually go out there and talk a little trash and play some extra aggressive defense. I love that part. And, uh, but man, Ricky, 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 that's all you hear is Ricky do Ricky. Don't do that. Ricky do this. And you're right about this. The stories are unbelievable. And not only are they unbelievable stories, it's unbelievable how many stories are actually are, because I feel like any teammate that you pick who played with Ricky has at least one story. And one of the stories that I loved about Ricky is that uh, they were on a team bus. I don't know which team it was on, but uh, Ricky obviously had been playing in the league for forever. I think he played close to 20 years, if not 20. And when you get on a bus in a, in a on a sports team, uh, especially at the pro level, usually, you know, depending on seniority is where you sit on the bus and Ricky was late to the bus this day for whatever reason, and gets on the bus, and the bus is packed every seat 's taken, but a little bit further back in the bus there 's a rookie sitting in a seat by himself he didn 't double up, so another veteran on the team sees Ricky get up and start to walk down the aisle way. The veteran very nicely gets gets to the rookie and says, "Hey man, uh, you know you get out, why don 't you get up out of your seat go go sit with." You know, Joe Bag of Donuts over there, and you guys double up and let Ricky have his own seat. And by this time, Ricky's getting back there, and the veteran says, Because Ricky should sit in the seat because he's got tenure. And Ricky kind of looks at him sideways and goes, What? Ricky don't got tenure. Ricky got 15. <laughs>
0: I've heard that story too. I don't know if you told <laughs> it to me. That's one of my favorites also. man.
1: Oh, so Ricky that's didn't enter, you know, understand that tenure was actually get... a long time, but yeah. he wanted to make sure I got fitting.
0: I got fitting years. That's great. Yeah. You know, that's actually a funny story that relates back to Larry Bird, which um, as I read these little snippets and quotes, Larry Bird is a rookie year. And, and as you watch the last dance, I mean, Michael Jordan said, remember he wanted to see who the team leader was and he went after him hard in practice. And, yeah. you know, yeah, he was trying to, Um, make the team his own in the right way, which is that's how you do it. You know, you kind of, you know, like the Uh, James Worthy thing and that same thing where he's like, you know, Larry, uh, Michael looked at me at practice and figured out I was kind of the team leader and I was the best player. So he would go at me really hard. He would stay after practice longer. He would do all these things. And James Worthy said it took about two weeks to go. Yeah, yeah, Michael's the guy. Like, yeah, he's the guy. They're both uber talented, but Michael's the guy. Well, Larry Bird got on the bus after the first game of the season. So he went through training camp, went through it. Had a pretty good game, his first game, um, but did not go through the uh, typical, if you want to call it hazing or whatever, but rookies were going to carry the bags and get the donuts and all that stuff. And uh, Larry Bird got on the bus and said, "Uh, by the way, I will not be carrying anybody's bags or anybody's jock shops during this season. Thank you. And he went and sat in his seat and didn't go through the typical typical things that many uh, rookies and kind of newbies go through, but, uh, you know. He, 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 I guess he, uh, announced his tenure without actually having tenure Yep,
1: as he should. Those guys definitely yeah. should.
0: All right. So Blummer, that, that throws it back to you. I do not have any fancy graphics. I do have a, uh, I do have a, a cool defend your coffee, uh, you placard, but, uh, I do not have a blum and Blummer. um, placard but i will have like i said the editor should be able to throw something in there but we are going to throw it back over to blum and blummer and i would love to hear what you got
1: yep i don't have much today i know that uh we we've had some other content mixed in there but i've been talking about statistics last week i talked about ops which is on base percentage plus slugging percentage this week i'm just going to touch real quickly on ops plus so again, the same theory, but the plus is added to it, making it OPS plus. And I actually like looking at this one because I think it gives guys a little more value. And it uh, it takes into account some other variables instead of just two statistics, blanketly pin them together. And there you go. You got a number OPS. OPS plus can take into account, you know, uh, you know, Was it a home run over a double? There's other factors that are going into this. And again, you can go to Fangraphs.com, go to the glossary, look these numbers up. But OPS Plus, just to give you a baseline, if you are at 100 on OPS Plus, you are an average major leaguer. If you are below that, you're a below average major leaguer. But what's great to me is that you can start to see how much better some of these guys like Mike Trout are or an Alex Bregman or maybe see which years. Pick out the OPS plus from year to year, and you can look at that number and then glance back at the home runs, the RBIs, the runs scored, and you can say, oh, my gosh, that's why his, run, his OPS plus was so great is because he was well above the OPS plus of 100 And that's what makes those guys all-stars. So that's just a real quick, easy introduction to another number that kind of takes that entire stat line, compresses it into one number, and gives you an idea of how good a guy is. And usually the guys that have the higher OPSs are the guys like Mike Trout. They're the Bellingers. They're the Alex Bregmans and the Jose Altuves and guys like that. And they do it in different ways. But it's it's just another level to take your statistical analysis to to to, to differentiate who are the better players. And one last note I've got is kind of interesting, and it's an actual number. did a little research, and, uh, you know, uh, Fauci, Director Fauci, who has been talking about all of the COVID crisis that is going on, he actually has come out and said that he feels that sports can move forward without fans. And I think that's going to be the going – the one thing you can count on when you're talking about baseball, football, and some of these sports coming back is that there will be no, no fans. And the leagues and players have to be diligent about testing and quarantining themselves. But I thought it was interesting. And you talked about it during the NFL draft, how the ratings skyrocketed basically because it was the only thing on. And even your buddy said that it was the only live event that they had the opportunity to watch. So they're going to tune in. And I feel like that's where baseball has another opportunity. That's where some of these guys have an opportunity to be seen and be seen by a lot of eyes. So 72% of fans Said they wouldn't attend a game until a vaccine is created. That tells me, to your point, Tuttle, that if baseball can get on TV, holy cow, there's going to be some people tuning in. And you and I both know that not only will they be tuning in, it'll all of a sudden start the blossoming betting circles out there in Vegas. And that's where the money starts to flow and that's where people start to get excited about sports again. And I think that's where baseball needs to focus their energy. Get on the field somehow open up Vegas and get them betting. And I think it will also encourage other sports. We already talked about golf, but I think next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL, uh, the draft, what teams did well. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the NCAA because if students aren't going to school, are they still going to play football? And uh, I've got a relatively good friend I've worked with, and Jeff Schwartz. He's also a G off. He spells his first name G E O F F. I know that's a lot for Tuttle to handle, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I think in what you said about the NFL draft and the ratings could really encourage baseball to get back on the field, man.
0: Yeah, so I, I would agree with you. And I think uh, I, I was wondering what, I thought you were going to say what Fauci thought about OPS Plus, and that would have been really interesting. He probably has that, a better like, idea. Yeah, Dr. Fauci is like, oh yeah, he 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 made a comment about OPS plus instead of the COVID nineteen, but that's not the case. But uh yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I've met a couple of your friends named Jeff, and they all spell their name G-E-O-F-F. <laughs> My true. brother's name's Jeff. He doesn't spell it that way. So, you know, to get into Jeff's inner circle, you gotta spell your name the same way. But we're really looking forward to having your buddy Jeff Schwartz on to talk about the NFL. Um, I have some thoughts about college football and college basketball, how they support all of college sports with their revenue. And that's your point. These, these kids are not going to school. You have a year or a season off. Like how are these programs going to kind of stay, um, viable and stay, uh, stay active if there's no revenue coming in because we know how how strongly those support uh, those sports are supported by i'm sorry those facilities or athletic programs are all supported by those two major sports so we definitely have some other things to talk about when it comes to uh the ncaa and then professional sports coming back so um you know i i again we always have to give a shout out i joked about that defend your coffee because that was the only thing i had but that is the uh the Black Rifle Coffee Company, which is uh, owned by veterans, uh, we do support veterans, um, healthcare workers, first responders, all the stuff that is uh, that is obviously relevant and pertinent to us right now. Um, maybe more than normal, but uh, that's something we've always done on this podcast and we'll continue to do. But um, I think Memorial Day is coming up. We know that uh, the Michael Murph workout is coming up too. I'm going to try and get Blummer to do that without a weight vest, but we're going to try and drag you into a workout or something like that. So oh anyway, again. Ultimate shout out, ultimate thanks to healthcare workers and everybody that's uh, on the front lines during this crazy time. And uh, as Texas is doing, let's all hope we get to uh, tiptoe back out into the great wide world soon.
1: Yep. We salute all of the first responders, all of the military, and all of the uh, healthcare providers, like Tuttle said. Well said, greatly done. We want to remind everybody that we will be having a mailbag show. We will be answering your questions. There are some good topics that we actually want to get back to that we want to talk about and have actually, uh, you know, kind of dove into some of the thoughts and tried to explain those a little bit better. We hope you uh, look forward to that. Make sure you go to bleacherblums.com. You can tune in uh, to all past podcasts on there. Uh, again, the podcast and the video podcast are on that uh, link at bleacherblums.com. We are a part of the social Nostra network on YouTube. If you go ahead and subscribe to that, that'd be great. Rate, review, uh, comment on our videos and let us know what you think. And while you're on bleacherblums.com, make sure you go to the mailbag and let us know what you're thinking or have a question for us. Let us know what, uh, what question that is. And of course, you can get the swag. Obviously, we've got our hats on representing our own own product, they obviously fit pretty good because we're ball players. We like hats, and if we're wearing them, <laughs> these are pretty legit. So, with that being said, guess what? Get out, get out of the bleachers, get outside, find some nature, and go on a hunt. And if your state's reopening, get out there and enjoy some uh, camaraderie amongst your mates and uh, have some fun. But when you do leave, the one thing that Tuttle and I are always asking you to do: make sure you get after it. But most of all, you gotta believe it. Be well.